Whereas Vygotsky and Piaget didn't really get too involved with learning in a school environment, psychologist Jerome Bruner was heavily involved in this. He wanted to know how we can better optimize how students teach subjects so that students can understand how to organize, think, and build upon the concepts that they are learning over time. In his constructivist theory, Bruner suggests that when you're faced with new material, it's best to follow a progression from what he called inactive to iconic to symbolic representation. And this is true whether you're an adult or a child learning something new. He also suggests that a learner of a very young age can learn any type of material, no matter how complex it might be, as long as the information is organized and presented appropriately for their age. This was pretty different from the beliefs of Piaget and other stage theorists who believed that thinking was incremental and that at a young age you could never learn about concepts or ideas that people at an older age would be able to understand until you reached some sort of benchmark or some sort of stage in your life. That progression, from inactive to iconic to symbolic, was proposed by Bruner as three main ways that information or knowledge can be represented and can be learned. These modes of representation are ways that information or knowledge is able to be stored and encoded in memory, usually long term. And unlike Piaget, where there were clear-cut stages, the modes of representation are integrated, and though there is a slight sequentiality to it, they pretty much translate into each other, and all three stages can overlap at the same time. The first stage, the inactive stage, correlates with Piaget's sensory motor stage, and it's the first kind of memory that you have. Bruner suggests that this is the primary mode of representation for children who are 0 to 1 years of age. And in this mode, thinking is based on your senses, on your physical actions, by doing. Infants are learning by interacting with their world, and not necessarily from thinking internally or trying to represent information from within their mind. An active representation involves encoding the actions that they do and storing it in their memory. For example, colloquially known as muscle memory, it is actually a form of inactive memory where you are accompanying a physical action with a meaning. So for example, maybe you play an instrument. So the way that your fingers move to click certain keys you learn that inactively by doing it so that it stays in your memory through that physical action of repeatedly trying to click the key combination to make the sound that you want. And inactive representation continues with many other physical activities that we learn as we get older, whether that be from writing words to riding a bike. Things like typing, sewing or using machinery can all also be understood through an active representation of information. 
in Bruner's second form of representation, iconic representation, information is stored through icons. So that can be images that are associated with a sense, especially visual images, or thoughts and ideas that incur these icons. For some people, iconic representation is something that they're very conscious of, while for others, they aren't really able to consciously experience this form of representation. Iconic representation is one reason why having images or charts or tables next to a new subject or topic that you're learning about is really helpful and can help you to retain that information for longer. But since these icons can be related to any sense, things such as hearing certain noises, smelling certain things, or just touching an object can all also help to bring back or bring up images, thoughts, or memories. While Bruner suggests that children from 1 to 6 primarily use iconic representation, those from 7 and older usually think primarily in symbolic representation. In symbolic representation, information is stored in the form of symbols or codes or even language. This form of representation corresponds with Piaget's concrete operational stage. In symbolic representation, knowledge is stored through other mediums. For example, words, math, and symbolic systems like music, they can all be explained using symbolic representation since the information that these words or that these symbols that make up words or math, they have meaning behind them that you can't represent necessarily physically through an active representation or through a sense, like through iconic representation. Bruner believed that the aim of education should be to help independent thinking or learning to learn. So the purpose of education wasn't necessarily to impart knowledge, but rather to be able to transfer or translate that ability to a variety of different contexts so that they could learn whatever they wanted to, however. So to Bruner, the purpose of education was to encourage a child to be able to problem solve or to think independently, and then to transfer or translate those sorts of skills into the real world. Specifically, Bruner believed that education should help to develop symbolic thinking in children, where information is stored through something that is not necessarily physical or sensory. In 1960, Bruner's publication, The Process of Education, was published, and in it, the main premise was that students are actively learning, just like Piaget and Vygotsky proposed, and they construct their own knowledge. Now, that isn't to say that Bruner and Piaget agreed with everything. Bruner was especially opposed to Piaget's idea of readiness, or that you have to reach some sort of stage before a child is able to understand information. He said that schools effectively waste time trying to match the complexity of a subject with a child's cognitive age or cognitive stage of development. So this means that students are effectively being held back by the education system 
that is supposed to help propel them forward because adults and teachers are deeming certain topics as too complex or too difficult to understand at a young age and can only be taught when a child is older and more quote-unquote mentally mature. Bruner believed that instead of doing all this, the most effective way of trying to learn was rather to organize information so that students were discovering it instead of just being told by a teacher at a certain age. This approach to learning is known as a constructivist approach. Bruner argued that the role of a teacher isn't to provide information directly through things like note-taking or lectures, but rather to help facilitate this discovery process. So a good teacher will instead be focusing their lessons on helping children do experiments or helping children explore text where students are discovering the relationship between bits of information and their own world or what the topic that they're studying is. Bruner said that to do this, a teacher has to give their students the information that they need, but not enough for them to have already had the information pre-organized to them. So, for example, through a lecture. Bruner specifically designed two different models for how curriculum can be designed. Scaffolding curriculum and the spiral curriculum. The spiral curriculum builds off of the idea that children of any age are capable of understanding any information, no matter how complex it is. Bruner said that through the spiral curriculum, information was structured so that complex ideas are taught at a very, very, very simplified conceptual level first, and then that information is continuously reviewed and built upon until that information reaches the complex level that students are desired to know about. As a result, the subject would be taught a lot more gradually, so instead of having notes so that a student would learn everything within one day, but not really understand or not be able to learn through learning. Therefore, subjects would be taught at different levels of gradually increasing difficulty, hence the whole spiral analogy. And ideally, this way of teaching helps lead children to being able to solve problems by themselves by first giving them a small idea and then showing how that small idea can be built upon into something much larger and bigger. The second strategy that Bruner proposed for curriculum is known as scaffolding. It's really similar to the idea that Vygotsky was going for in his zone of proximal development. So oftentimes, scaffolding and zone of proximal development is often interchanged quite a bit in conversation. Scaffolding relies on structured interaction between a teacher and a student with the aim of the student being able to take small steps, so scaffolds, to the ultimate goal, whatever that might be. The purpose of the support that's given through the scaffolding system by a teacher is to help that student be able to achieve that higher level of development through simplifying the task that's ahead of them and be able to implement that into their own lives.
Thank you so much for listening to the 20th episode of The Mystery of Your Mind. This episode is actually the last episode of the first season of The Mystery of Your Mind. The next season is going to be all about psychiatric disorders. Stay tuned for a new update coming next Saturday about what the next season is going to look like, a few more details about what it's going to be about, and how to stay tuned for some more understanding of the crazy world that we live in. Before I sign off, I'd like to direct you to a couple of links in the description of this episode. First off, there's a link to my website so that you can learn more about this podcast as well as myself. You can also check out this podcast's Instagram. I highly recommend that you follow at The Mystery of Your Mind so you can get all those sneak peeks and updates, especially with a new season coming out. So you can always be on top of the next episodes and know what's going to happen next for the podcast. I've also added a link to a feedback form that you can fill out and send me any questions that you have, any concerns, any ideas, or any topics that you'd love me to cover, or is there anything else to say? Even if that's just sparking a conversation, I love to get to know who my listeners are, where they're from, and just what they enjoy about my show. I've also added a link to my Patreon if you'd like to support me that way, and don't forget to tell your family, friends, and whoever else you know about this podcast, The Mystery of Your Mind, so that they too can jump in on some action and learn more about the world that they live in.